Black Doctors Podcast highlights the stories of minority professionals with the goal of inspiring others. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others, because the next generation can't be what they don't see. Tune in every Monday to hear our stories told by us. Hello and welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. Today I'm privileged to be speaking with my former classmate from Howard University College of Medicine, Dr. Monet Thomas. She is a dermatologist currently practicing in Houston, Texas. Dr. Thomas, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Stephen. And uh, hi to all the listeners. I appreciate you having me on. I'm honored. <laughs> of course, of course. So tell us, you know, as a dermatologist, this is a dream job, right? Medicine. What is your day-to-day life like? Um, so yeah, I guess you could say dream job in medicine in some ways. Uh, we do have a much cushier schedule uh, than most. So my day-to-day is I uh, I work three days out of the week. Um, so I'll come in. I usually work about eight. My first patient's at eight thirty, um, up until four thirty. Uh, however, it's not as cushy as people think it is because dermatology we do see a lot more patients in a day than say other uh, like primary care specialties because we're kind of strapped more for time. So I see anywhere between thirty to thirty-five patients a day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's, Hold on, you it's said a wait, lot. You said eight to. What's what are your hours? Thirty to thirty-five patients a day. Golly. Yeah, yeah. Derm's no joke. So we do see uh, a large load of people. Uh, so even though it seems cushier, it it can be kind of exhausting. Um, so that's why most of us, it's very rare to find a dermatologist that works five days a week. People think just because, oh, you know, you can make a lot of money in derm. It's really because it's just so exhausting. So. That's what you do for four days a week, or or how how many days a week do you work? Three days a week. So I work uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, and COVID kind of changed things a little bit. Um, for the past few months, uh, on Fridays, I've been seeing uh, virtual patients, um, but you know, kind of weeding that out, and should be strictly. Um, all in office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, back to my old schedule. Gotcha. And I actually solicited some questions from Instagram. So someone asked, what are some of your most common complaints that you see as a dermatologist? Oh, that's a good one. So um, I mostly see acne, um, a more acne and acne. <laughs> and then I see uh, eczema, psoriasis, um, actually tons of hair loss. Probably acne and hair loss are the two top concerns that my patients have, especially as a black dermatologist, uh, versus a lot of my counterparts um, who see mostly full skin exams, where uh, maybe the, the majority of their of their patient population is uh, older, you know, or, or not even older, but a majority of the patient population are are uh, Caucasian people. So uh, they see a lot of full skin exams, you know, doing biopsies, checking moles and things of that nature. I find that my um, breakdown, the breakdown of my patients can be a little bit um, unique. And, and are you 100% outpatient or do you do anything inpatient? Mm-mm. 100% outpatient. <laughs> you take call? Nope. We have no call because uh, there are no derm emergencies. I mean, 
you know, sometimes people think they have emergencies, but uh, a pimple or, you know, your rash is, is really not an emergency. <laughs> it's not life or death. Uh, in most cases, in some cases, there are rashes that can be life or death, uh, but those patients tend to already be in the hospital. And what about uh, procedures? You do, you know, I've, I actually just watched Dr. Pimple Popper for the first time, mm-hmm. but do you do any uh, procedures like that? Tons, yeah. So Wednesday, like today, um, is usually my um, my morning of surgery. So I do tons of excisions. Um, so you know, Dr. Pimple Popper, you see her doing a lot of cyst excisions, lipoma excisions. I do a lot of that, and of course, skin cancer removals. I also do more cosmetic things. Um, I do a lot of PRP, which is a uh, for uh, a treatment for hair loss where, you know, we take the platelet-rich plasma and inject that into those areas of thinning hair. That works for uh, only non-scarring types of hair loss. Really, mm. I works best for those types. And, um, yeah, also, obviously, fillers and Botox. Gotcha. I'm about to see you about that PRP. We'll talk offline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do have lots of guys, you know. I It's funny because I have a guy and he looks just like LeBron. And Hmm. I was, it's just like the irony. (laughs) Is, uh, is COVID hair loss a thing? Um, there, it could be in a sense, in a roundabout way. So I I, I think, I think it is. Yeah. (laughs) So the thing about that, that's, that's likely called telogen effluvium, which happens to most, uh, humans in general. Anytime there's a stressor on the body, on the body, be it physical or emotional, uh, about three to four months later, we tend to shed more. Hmm. So typically it's normal to shed about a hundred strands a day, about 15% of your scalp. However, if there's a stressor about three to four weeks, uh, sorry, three to four months later, you'll start to notice a shift. And that shift happens to be about 20 to 25% of your scalp that's now in that phase where you're shedding. Uh, the good part, good thing is you'll never go bald from that. It typically only that's, that's lasts a, a maximum thing? of six months. Yeah, that's a great okay. thing. Yeah, you won't, get, you won't go bald from that. Whew. So it's very, very normal, especially if you're shedding like hairs where you can see the, the roots of it, that little white bulb, um, it'll pass. Okay, this too shall pass. We'll, we'll continue this uh, conversation offline. <laughs> so, uh, doc- <laughs> so, Dr. Thomas, tell us about when you decided to pursue a career in medicine. Um, so I decided to pursue a career in medicine, I'd say probably back in high school. I have a, an uncle who's a doctor, and um, initially I thought um, I just knew the type of lifestyle I wanted to live. And initially, I, was, I wasn't I was sure what kind of, of doctor I wanted to be. I think initially, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon because when I was 14, I broke my knee um, in gymnastics really, really bad. And uh, I just wasn't afraid. I actually was really interested in everything that they were doing to repair my knee. So I thought, hmm, I'm smart enough. I can do this. And it kind of continued, continued on that way. Um, Then I applied to college. I chose Xavier University of Louisiana because they're number one for getting uh, producing black physicians. So Mm -hmm. they sent me a T-shirt. I was like, that's where I'm going. They said they're going to pay for everything even better. Oh, you're (laughs) smart, smart. 
it's well it's funny because oh yeah boy i was the toilet <laughs> of my class did you know that i, I did not <laughs> so uh yeah i actually had full scholarships to Xavier and also um I also really was interested in Howard even early on and I had a full scholarship to Howard also uh, but I chose Xavier and I always say that Xavier is the the uh the school that got me into med school however I actually graduated from LSU because my last year of uh undergrad I actually switched over but still the the professors at Xavier were the ones that helped me wrote my letters of recommendation their pre-med office you know really still helps me with my application and everything that I needed for um or oh I'm so far removed is it ERAS or AMCAS um AMCAS AMCAS okay (laughs) that's so long ago taking it back yeah AMCAS yeah so then after when I was actually going into college my freshman year right before my freshman year I did this program at Xavier called uh, the Howard Hughes program and that was for students that were interested in pre-med so I took that they took us around to different med schools in the area, Tulane and LSU, and we met a resident. It was this black guy. I can't remember his name, but he was the one that kind of shifted my whole path in life. Hmm. He said he was a black um well, he didn't say he was black. I could clearly see he was black. <laughs> but he was a resident, um, a dermatology resident at Tulane. And he was speaking to us and he told me what derm was about and all of that. And, and at that point, I said, I'm going to be a dermatologist. So literally all through undergrad, I said I was going to be a dermatologist. First foot, I stepped onto Howard's campus, said I was going to be a dermatologist. And I, I did whatever I had to do to make it that way. I remember... Working with you at Howard, and you definitely had that focus on uh, becoming a dermatologist and even doing that extremely stressful match period in the ERAS. What did you do to position yourself to, uh, to earn that residency position? One thing about dermatology is that it's very much so focused on step one scores. So that's one thing I knew I had to really do it up for. So I studied really hard for for that to make sure that I was within that range that um, makes me a viable candidate. Because the thing about dermatology, I knew that a lot of the residency programs wouldn't even look at your application if you have uh, under a certain score on your step one. So when I, luckily I knew what I, what field I wanted to go into right when I stepped into uh, med school, because dermatology kind of requires that from you because you have to start working on that early on and start focusing on that step one. Um, also, I, I started to try to shadow early on, started to try to make those connections with our home dermatology program, introduce myself to um, the residency di- director at the time, Dr. Halder. And just made sure that they knew my face, you know, and knew that I was serious mm-hmm. about uh, learning um, so that when it came time for my senior year, when I did my away rotations, um, Howard really prepared me well with knowing, just having a good knowledge of derm, um, just having a good basis, basic foundation of derm knowledge. Um, so when I went to other places, they were really impressed that I knew some of the things they were asking me about. Yeah. 
So um, I'd say that's that's what I did. And of course, personality goes a really long way. And I think Howard sets you up really well for that because um, it's a special thing about going to an HBCU, a special experience, but it's kind of inherent. Just like, you know, when you grow up in a black household, they t- always tell you, you know, you have to be twice as good. Mm-hmm. Same thing with going to an HBCU. They prepare you fully. Um on the educational side, but also on the being a human side, you know, um, because they know that, you know, if you're, you're going to be your population are, are going, it's mainly going to be your people, especially if you're a black physician and they're looking to you to, to care for them because they're not sure if they're going to get that good care from, um, other people. Not that they won't, they're just not sure if they'll get great care from people that are not of right. the same kind. Right. Trust right? issues. Exactly. And we know that there's a history behind that. So um, it's kind of inherent when you go to an HBCU as for, for a medical school, because for me, it taught me that I had to be twice as good, you know, and I feel like I can blow any of these dermatologists. When I met uh, with other residents, I had that confidence that I knew more than they did uh, than the than, say, my white counterparts at other residency programs because I had to be better. In our residency program, for example, Dr. Halder would never let us dress down. We could not, mm. <laughs> we could never wear scrubs unless we were doing surgery. And if we caught us in scrubs outside of that, we were in trouble. Like guys always <laughs> had to wear a tie. We always had to dress up, look presentable. So um, it just kind of sets you up for that greatness. You have no choice but to be great. So that's been my journey with dermatology. In my experience. I, I remember from Howard, you said if you didn't match dermatology, you would have gone into uh, cosmetology. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been a medical doctor doing something completely different because every other field in medicine just did not interest me as much. So it was deeper than just medicine for me. It, it was the thing about dermatology. It was dermatology that spoke to me because there's something special about that um, compared to other fields. It's the only field, maybe outside of plastic surgery, where you're dealing with the outside appearance of someone. Mm-hmm. And that's very important to people. Uh, people will come to me. Like I said, we talked about emergencies. There's no derm emergencies. They'll come to me for a pimple before they check on their blood pressure. You know, wow, yeah. so it's it's the psychology behind it. It's um, building people's confidence. There's just something that draws me to that, that that I'm passionate about. Yeah, clearly. I mean, I've waited seven years to ask you that question. I remember you said that. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, I guess my, my if you think about that cosmetology I was like I can you know I'll do hair I'll do makeup it's all still about making people feel good about the way they look um and now that you're out of residency you've been practicing for a couple of years I know so many people think that they found their niche and where they're going to practice the rest of their life but so often plans change then we find other avenues to what we want to do and you're kind of at that segue now in your career where you're looking into other mm-hmm. options including podcasting. So yeah, tell us about this, uh, the melanin and murder podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, 
the another thing about us doctors especially black doctors more especially black female doctors everyone expects this to be kind of very monolithic like this woman who's very just like prim and proper bougie um that's not the case for me at all like I relish in being multifaceted I'm way more than just the doctor you know I have way more interests than talking about your skin (laughs) believe it or not (laughs) so uh yeah so uh, my best friend and I we started a podcast called melanin and murder because I love true crime and I know a lot of other people in general that love true crime, especially women. Like, um, I could, I used to be able to watch like snaps and ID channel all the time. You know, that creeps my husband out. Yeah, My my girlfriend watches that too. (laughs) Nonstop eating breakfast, drinking coffee. It's so interesting to me, I guess, because it's the psychology behind like how, how, what makes a person do these things, you know? So uh, we initially started our podcast. It was initially called Cult.Sure, so culture, because uh, we were like, oh, we love talking about cults. Like, they're so crazy. How does somebody get caught up in a cult? Um, and then we evolved to just kind of talk about true true, true crime in general. Um, so I love true crime. Like I said, I love true crime podcasts. Uh, one of my favorite is uh, favorites are... Um, my very favorite is my favorite murder. <laughs> so oh they have God. such a big following and true crime podcasts are, are very um, like lots of people listen to them. However, in fact, the, the whole thing that kind of spurred people to listen to podcasts was serial serial yeah. was kind yeah. of caught on, right. Which is a true crime podcast. So I love them. However, I find that I, there's not really any black voices there. So we decided to be that voice there may be like two other black true crime podcasts but you know we figured we give you true crime give you a little swag give you a little (laughs) pretty uh, (laughs) and give you just a full black take on uh cults and true crimes and things of the such and we make a cocktail of the week so sometimes it can kind of turn into to a, a mess like drunk history okay. <laughs> that was our goal <laughs> so it's uh it's fun it's fun for us to do you know um yeah it's something something i really like so melanin and murder yeah. you check it out so that's just one thing like i said we're multifaceted so how long have you been doing the podcast for uh we've been doing that <laughs> Over two months now, which has been crazy because we were just started one day and was just like, hey, let's go upstairs and record. Like, we can figure it out. <laughs> and then we've been pretty <laughs> consistent since then. So I'm pretty proud of no, it. It looks, uh, it looks good. It's a thing. Yeah. You, got a, you got a whole set with the neon lights. Yeah. So that's actually just my office. Oh. <laughs> that's my office. And then I was like, well, I'll get a tripod. And we'll put this up, my phone up, and let's get a light, you know? So it kind of evolved. And I have a a little, like, bar set and whatever, and I have these, like, nice cups so we make different drinks and just have fun. Yeah, no, it looks like a blast. And honestly, you didn't tell me you started it. I was scrolling one day, and I found I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) They're like, what's happening? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. That's good, good. You had me dying laughing from this last episode. So go check out the Melanin and Murder podcast. It's available on all the places you listen to podcasts. And we do video, right, for your show? Yeah, yeah, we have video. So it's also on YouTube. 
Um, my counterpart, she's responsible for the videos. I'm responsible for the audio, so I'm not quite sure uh, <laughs> how many uh, videos are up on YouTube, but we definitely have some up there. Cool, cool. And we're going to, from this point on, now have full episodes up on YouTube also. Awesome. I'll definitely, I'm going to put my girlfriend on. She, she, that's right up her yes. alley, un- unfortunately. She'll have to come visit us one day and, you know, do an episode with us. Yeah. So you, you were saying, though, in addition to the podcast, you've got a couple other other uh, things that you've been working on. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I wanted to I thought this was an interesting place to kind of talk about that, about career changes in medicine, because most people change their career. I don't know what the number is, but it's it's quite a few amount of times. But it's very interesting to me that a lot of people in medicine end up feeling kind of stuck, even when their feelings towards medicine kind of change or the capacity in which they want to practice medicine. So I felt like I'm kind of at that that juncture in my uh, career where, like I said, I see 30 to 35 patients a day can be kind of exhausting. You feel like you're being pulled in so many directions and you start to, you can sometimes maybe feel like you lose the uh, the lose interest, you know, lose that passion for it because it feels too much like work, you know, or too, too exhausting. So, um, that's so like, I I think we shouldn't just normalize making that okay Mm -hmm. in medicine. It's okay. (laughs) Like you've amassed so much knowledge that you can use that knowledge into producing other creative things or, or, making a product, developing something from scratch, you know, you have such a vast knowledge base that you can do so much with it. So I'm doing a couple of things. I'm more on the business side, opening a clinic in Beaumont, Texas. Beaumont is an area where one thing about black dermatologists in general, we're extremely rare. I think it's like 3% of all dermatologists are black. Um, But in certain cities, there's no representation for black skin. And I tell my patients all the time, you would think that there would be more because literally the one thing that we know for sure, the only thing that really makes us different are skin and hair. Yeah. Right. So we should have more diversity in the field. And I think there's been pushes to make that happen, but dermatology has been known to kind of maybe suppress making it harder for, for black and brown people to get into black and brown and being black and, and of, are of Latin descent into, um, into dermatology. So I wanted to make sure that people had access to care from, from people that knew about their skin. So I'm opening a clinic there where I'm training um, a nurse practitioner um, so she can help that. And of course, she's a black woman help that community also and I'll be there you know to just help those underserved areas to make sure that our people aren't forgotten there so I'm excited about that that's a new business venture that I'm into where I'm kind of more so the business person there instead of the provider Mm -hmm. Uh, two other things so I'm creating a product to a a cream to help prevent ingrown hairs and uh, dark spots in the bikini area, which is another huge problem with women of color. There's there's some products on the market that say they help with ingrown hairs. However, they just help soothe your skin after hair removal is done. So they just have oils in them or, or let's say menthol or lidocaine. I was 
focus, me and my colleague who I went to residency with, on making a product with actual ingredients that helps prevent and get rid of dark spots and Mm -hmm. also prevent those ingrown hairs. Um, I'm also testing it out on the beard area. So I have my husband, you know, with our (laughs) lab samples. (laughs) So hopefully (laughs) it's been working pretty well for him too. So, but we're very particular, hoping to get that out and start selling that probably by um, end of second quarter. So around summertime. Okay. Just in time Um, for the summer. Just in time for the summer, you know, get that bikini rights. <laughs> Hopefully COVID is a little bit lessened. You can be on the beach, feel yeah. more comfortable, um, or be by poolside. And then third, um, I'm also developing a hair tool. So, you know, one thing I'm very serious about as a dermatologist and just as a black woman are my edges. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what you making a, a, a toothbrush? No, so it's not a toothbrush. So there's there are lots of actual edge brushes on the market. So that brush, um, or it's kind of the size of a toothbrush, but it's not an actual toothbrush. The bristles are more like what you would have at a on a regular brush. So there are lots of those that you can find on the market, but mine is a little bit different because you know, when the world was open, <laughs> I mean I live in Houston, so it's technically still open, but it's not <laughs> yeah, open. Yeah, Houston, Houston never closed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the uh, I, when I was out, you know, sometimes I'd be out all day, you know, having fun, day drinking and whatnot. And this Houston humidity will just make my nice edges that I laid so smoothly just curl up. So I always used to think like, oh, I wish I had some gel. You don't want to carry around gel with you. I'm sorry, that's ghetto. And and I was like, what if I had a tool that had that was could just fit in my purse, a little the little edge brush on one end and a receptacle that holds gel or hair hair products. Um, So that's exactly what I'm making. That way you have laid edges at all times. So um Creating that from scratch has been very interesting because it's a lot harder than you think. If there's not anything that's been made, if it's coming straight from your brain, you have to find an engineer to draft that up for you, create okay. 3D models, and then create a, a legit prototype and then find a, a, a where are a manufacturing company that will ma- manufacture your prototype for you. So it's been an interesting process. I've really learned a lot, but I truly enjoy, I realize just being creative. And although it's something that is not dermatology, I use, I've used my derm knowledge for both of those things. And that makes me really proud. You know, you can be a doctor and you can be, uh, the person you want to be also that doesn't have to change your personality. Um, you can still be fun, like we talked about that can make you a lot of times it can it can make you feel like you have to be so prim and proper and perfect but so the reality is we're not so what do you say to people because people look at your melanin and murder podcast you're you're carefree mm-hmm. having a good time and maybe judge you like oh this is how a physician should act on social media and blah 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 what do you say to those people um well, the first thing that came to my mind, I can't say, but that probably yeah, tells you a lot family, about myself. <laughs> that show. tells you a lot about myself. <laughs> I believe in just being you. You can never be wrong if you're being yourself. I mean, how is someone going to tell you the right or wrong way to be yourself? Hmm. Um, 
So I feel like you can never fail at that. Like, nobody's perfect. Even if someone judges you, you know, that's something for them to work out themselves. That's none of your business. That's none of my business. <laughs> it's not bothering me. I'm having fun. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I have to say to that. You know, and, and if it bothers you, then you can see maybe um, a more Jesus-like dermatologist <laughs> that may be less qualified to help you. Okay. <laughs> on that note, golly, Dr. <laughs> Thomas, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. Yes. We're going to keep an eye out for your product line, which is Please coming do. out. Mm-hmm. It's going to be called Coco Laveau. Oh. Um, there's a story behind it. Um, so Coco Laveau, I wanted to have just like kind of like this aura, this aesthetic of this woman who is just a boss and very sophisticated and just just has that essence, right? To je ne sais quoi. So um, I actually got it because Kolovo is uh, in Greek means to smooth. Um, so I, I kind of developed this character in my head and thought, yeah, let's name it after her, Kolovo. Love it. We'll keep an eye out for that. We're going to keep an eye out for your, your toothbrush. Doctors Podcast is a nonprofit volunteer passion project with the goal of inspiring all who listen. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast with Dr. Stephen Bradley, your friendly neighborhood anesthesiologist.